Welcome to Whippets and Flat Caps. I'm here with Mark Flanagan. Two wins for Saints, two defeats for Salford. Tough start. Yeah, much improved performance from the Wigan game, but um, we didn't get the result over at Wakefield. Tough place to go. Uh, we'll take some joy out of uh, outscoring them three tries to two, but uh, unfortunately, we, we just didn't quite get the result. Yeah, good podcast today. We're discussing lots of things. The results uh, from last week in Super League. We've got the World Club Challenge coming up. Off the back of that, we're going to talk to England cricket legend Johnny Burstow. And Lee Rhino's fan. Indeed. Off the back of that, concussion and a big chat around the issues surrounding concussive head injuries in, in rugby league. So please remember to download and subscribe to this podcast on Podbean or iTunes. And also follow us on Twitter which is at WhippetsRL for any updates and things what we want to. Look, big round of fixtures uh, this this week. Obviously, some some big results. Huddersfield, Warrington. Um, you're going I into that game. That. I called that last you, week. Yeah, you did actually. But we were expecting Warrington to come out out the traps quickly this year, and they've really disappointed in that in that regard. Yeah, well, we discussed Tyrone Roberts. Their their big. Um, signing to play halfback and he didn't play and when you bring in a new player I think you, you work extra hard on uh, making them fit into the team and working a lot of players around them so I, th- I think a lot of pre-season might have been centred around him so to lose him so close to the game and, and Deck Patton who did a great job last season filled in but I think it might have um, hindered their, their preparation for the game yeah, I think look when when you got new players in key positions and, and with Kevin Brown and Roberts, the combination of that's going to take some time. Yeah. Um, for me, they're both players who want the ball in the hands, so getting that balance in your team's right and uh, has got to be got to be right. And I think it just looks like it's taking time for them to bed in. But for Huddersfield, like that, that's a, a good result. And and similar to Wakefield, actually, I think Huddersfield are a totally different side at home as, as to what they are away. Yeah, they had, they had McGilvery and Kudjo out missing, who, who were big players for them. And I think it was quite a boggy and, and wet field, so um, they've got a few powerful forwards that can get them on the front foot. And with Danny Bruff's kicking game, it probably suited them uh, with, with the conditions as they were. So Leeds Hull KR um, again on 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 the Thursday night. Um, Leeds have started well. I thought Hull KR really had a dig in that game. To their credit, I think they look fit. They look in good shape. The Hull KR. We spoke to Jamie Peacock about the. The what bike preseason they've had they've had an off off feet preseason where they're just predominantly getting flogged on bikes, um, but they're looking good shape and pushed leads actually didn't they to all to all extent and purposes? Yeah, they did, and um, I, th- I think I think Hull KL have a good season, but I think having played uh, in the championship last year and bringing in a lot of new players, it'll take them a month or two to get used to the the week in week out. Uh, mentality and, and intensity of of Super League, so I, I envisage that they'll they'll have a good middle part of the season, um, but it could be a case of them just just settling into things at the minute. And the Championship to Super League now, I'd say the gap isn't as small as it has been in the past. I think the top Championship sides now are, are competitive, aren't they? I think they're competitive in one-off games, but I think it's just the yeah. the, the week to week, you know, grind of playing against bigger and better teams. Um, that'll t- that'll be the real test for Hull KR this year. Yeah, well, I I started playing in the championship, and when I played in 1999, 2000 season for Hull KR, the championship was a different thing to what it is now. Oh. Um, we used to take crates of Budweiser on the bus. Um, the good old days, eh? the good, before the, good the game. Old days. Yeah, and um, I always remember Rob Nolan, who was a centre. He was like a, a, a weathered, cynical sort of lad from Hull, who you know. 
I remember the first thing he ever said to me, we were in the shower after training. He lit a fag up, he's smoking in the shower after we finished training. And he, he, he said, he said, look, he said, we were doing them laps of the pitch. He said, you went round every corner flag. He said, when they're looking away, cut across that corner. And I was like, he's not from West Yorkshire. I don't know why I've done it in a West Yorkshire accent. But anyway, he said to me, if you're not cheating, you're not thinking. Uh, with the cigarette in his hand in the shower. And uh, I, I thought to myself... Uh, that's, that's professional. Yeah, he's got the something in that. Yeah. But, uh, Wily old fox, a bit, yeah, a bit but, like yourself but, these uh, days. I didn't take and, it on board. weathered as well. A little bit. Yeah. And my eyes, my eyes are going wrinkly really quickly. Yeah. Many crow's feet on... Yeah, but at the end of the day, I can get Botox, mate. Your hair's falling out. You're going to be bald very soon. Wakefield beating Salford, 14 points to 12. I was on Sky, watched the game. Mate, I thought you were a bit conservative with the ball, but then in periods when when you ramped up and and took it to Wakefield, he seemed to just roll down the field easily. Um, I think we missed a few opportunities, actually. Mm. Um, We did some video um, reviewing the match this morning, and there were three or four opportunities where we'd we picked the wrong pass and had we made the right decision uh, we could have scored a couple more tries and um, yeah a bit disappointed but improvement there on the first game and I think Chris Chester said that even after the game as a as a victorious coach that we deserve something out of the game so I think f- f- Wakey knew they were in a match and I think we'll get them next time now, How do you find watching? Like, is it tough, tough to watch? Yeah tough to watch yeah frustrating not to be out there um, yeah you when you when you see things uh, from the grandstand that you that you, that you know you can maybe do better or do differently or you know when you see opportunities that you that, that the lads should be taking it is frustrating but I don't think I could be a coach put it that no way. no it's funny that isn't it because when you watch a game things when you're watching a game things are very obvious and easy but in the heat of the battle when oh, you when totally you're in the middle different. of a game when when you're tired when fatigue sets in and um, when you're physically gone, mentally, it's so hard to process those thoughts, isn't it? And that's, I think players who can play when they're tired and create things when they're tired are, are, are just such a commodity. And that's the mental toughness, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's, that's what the best players do at the right times. Yeah, uh, we, we played Catalan away 21-12 to us. Uh, look, for me, a great result. We flew in and out in, in one day. So that's, John, that's a long, I've done that a few times, it's a long day, you get up really early in the morning, it's a lot of travel, it's a big game, you, you 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 fly yeah. home again at night, so you, you know you must be knackered by the yeah, time. Yeah, but you're tired when you get back. But yeah. I'd so rather what do you, what do you, ra- you go straight I'd, to bed. I'd rather do that. Do you go straight to bed? Or? I'd rather do that than. Uh, <laughs> you go straight to bed. <laughs> I'd rather do that, flying and out in the day, yeah. than have three or four days in Perpignan and you're sort of hanging around at a loose end. You can't really enjoy being in Perpignan. In fact, it's February, so it was like four no, degrees. So, look, so after a long day traveling and playing a tough match, what did you do when you landed in Manchester? Um, I, my wife was uh, having a drink and I went to pick her up. That's the state of affairs these days. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm Obedient whipped. little puppy hey, look, dog, look, John Wilkins. I'm, I'm more than happy to admit that. I I make decisions based on what's easiest and often easiest is compromising, I think. Compromising, picking everything. Up now. <laughs> oh, <it's fine. laughs> Dominating. That sounds like Domination. a compromise. Uh, well, yeah. good win. Um, Morgan knows his tackle wasn't great. Was yeah, it? no, he's got a grade. He, I, I thought the grade he was harsh. So that's four to eight games. It, it, look, he's a fantastic young player. And he's a good kid knows. as well. I yeah, know yeah, Morgan pretty well. The no, funny thing is though, with this, with the grade E, the, the sort of 
you see things that are aggressive and dangerous. Now that was an accident. I understand we need to we need to be really firm with how you deal with it because it's a dangerous thing. And, and you know, I think we'd had a bad neck injury in the game in Workington and Whitehaven, haven't we, the, the week yep. before, which obviously heightens the, the the awareness. And and we'll come on to talk about concussion and protecting the head and neck. But I think we, we've got to be careful that an accidental thing like that that is just a technique gone wrong. Or you know, serious high tackle, late, you know that sort of thing for me should be punished as as harshly as possible. Because yeah. um, I think we had Sean O'Loughlin. I think it might have been last year or the year before. He hit a Wakefield player high late. Uh, he got stretched it off. He did his knee ligaments in that game, and I think he didn't get a match ban. He didn't get anything. He got sent off sufficient. Where Morgan Knowles is a young kid. He's made a mistake. He's nearly dropped someone on his head. He, they've not got injured, but he's going to get four to eight games. And for me, that that just it don't really seem fair um, yeah, I agree, yeah. and the disciplinary system it'd be interesting to see what they throw up it's, it's sometimes quite hard to predict actually and uh, you know I don't, we'll uh, we'll see but but a good a great result for yeah, us yeah great result on the road you know yeah. like um, Catalan have been they'll have been getting the hard stick literally all week because they, they got pumped by witness last week mm. the opposite to that we've been getting everyone telling us how great we are what massage a great stat exactly you like that don't you I do I love a massage the, um, a bit like Will Perry's getting his ego massage regularly is that what in he calls Korea. it I think his so yeah. is that his pet name for his um... <laughs> I think yeah it's something um, but yeah look I yeah, I think um, they, they were always going to be highly motivated for the game. So for us to win uh, and have win with a man down and defend how we did, I thought was great. We then Wigan and Hull uh, in Wollongong. Bit of a scrappy game, I thought. The start uh, was naff, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, really bad. Um, but you know, I think Wigan's star players came to the fore. George Williams was George Williams was exceptional. He's he's his running of the ball has always been great. But I think he, his kicking game and his uh, man management of of the match. Um, it seems to have improved, especially seen as Matty Smith's obviously at your place. Thomas Lulawai's moved to nine, and Sam Tompkins is in the halves, and he's he's quite a, a running flair player. I think it's important that George takes takes control of things, and he seems to do that against Hull. Yeah, big big experience gap, I think, for for Hull in terms of travelling, big game experience. There's, uh, the Wigan lads, I think, I think there's more experience of doing what they've done to travel out there and play well than there is maybe in the in the Hull side, and I think you know that that probably took its Tall, uh, Jamie Shaw dropping the ball, a kick with with Jake Connor, and little bits of miscommunication like that. I think was, it's um, sometimes the, those are the telltale signs that, that the preparation's been knocked off by, you know, by what is just a different stimulus. But Wollongong, Wind Stadium there was fantastically attended, fourteen thousand, which is which is great for rugby league. Yeah, and there would have been a couple of thousand travelling Wigan and Hull fans, but it's great that that it was predominantly Aussies and they were really getting behind the game and. Uh, I read today that the, the, um, the windfall for the two clubs was uh, a million pounds between the two of them. So commercially, it seems to have been a, a good decision, and uh, we'll wonder if it'll uh, bear the fruits during this this season or two. Yeah, yeah. So Cass Widness, a, a, a one point victory for Cass. Shaky start for Cass, or have Widness started the year really well? A combination of both, I think. Last season, you would have think you would have thought it would have been a big a big winning margin for Cass, but having had the, the bad result against Saints, they, they probably. Had a kick up the arse at training this week, and um, and, and they, they bounced back. They got the result, but uh, having not seen the highlights and, and sports, a few people who were at the game, they were the, the cast of last season. Uh, and Widness, you know, that they were great against Catalan, but ju- just fell short. Yeah, I think Widness are great. I, I think they're a fit side. 
all the things that Dennis Betts can control, he does. He gets his sides fit. They've got the best leg speed for me out of any forward pack in the competition. Mm. They're quite small, quite lightweight, but that's the the strength, isn't it? The, the dynamic and the, the fit. Yeah. Um, and I think they'll be tough to beat. Witness defend really well for me. They're a good defensive side. I think they're going to struggle to score points and scoring... Uh, you know, twelve points against Casford was never going to be enough. But defensively, I, I think they've, uh, you know, really come a long way. But big news this week, big game, big game for uh, us in this country in Super League, the World Club Challenge. It's a big deal for us, Flash. We love it. I've played in a few of them. I've played in one. It yeah. Was- um, but we over here put a huge amount of importance on it. You've been in Australia. Just tell me, is that feeling met? On the no, other side of the world, I, I don't think so. I think it's seen as um, a pre-season friendly to the NRL clubs. Um, apparently, the Leeds had to travel to Melbourne because they weren't prepared to travel over here for the game. I don't think the, the lads are as, as as fresh over there. I think the, they use it as a warm-up game for for the NRL, and I'm not sure if it's a reflection on the best team in the world. To be honest, because the the distance between the time between the grand final over here and over there and, and to this game is is it's four or five months. A lot of players move on or are brought in by each team. Um, the conditions are different. The teams are peaking at different times of the season. Melbourne seem to always come good at the business end of the year, whereas they sometimes slow, start a bit slower, as do Leeds. And it just, for me, it would be better if the game was held at, at the end of the Super League and the NRL seasons. But logistically, it probably couldn't happen that way. Yeah, it'd be a good alternate sort of to an international series, wouldn't it? Yeah. Is to get the clubs playing a, an extended World Club series at the end of the seasons. Yeah. Um, you know, get the top two or three, maybe, you know, the, really going back to 96, there was something similar to that. And I think that, that maybe that's something to explore. We When we played Brisbane in 2007 and we beat them, I would list that probably as one of my career highlights. Now, if Cameron Smith beats Leeds, Melbourne captain, and if they beat Leeds, would Cameron Smith list this anywhere near his top ten sort of achievements? In is the that game? not a reflection of Cameron Smith's career in your career? With, yeah. all, with all due respect, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but um, even if he was a similar standing player to yourself, which was yeah. obviously a, a very good player in his own right, I don't think it would be. No. No, it's not. It's not it's taken not, seriously. It's not held in the same esteem as it is no. over here, unfortunately. But that's that's not that Leeds can't do anything about that. It's not going to change immediately. They'll be going over there off the back of two wins, full of confidence. All those little bits that you can't get from training, they've got. Yeah. They go to play Melbourne, who, who are always in great condition. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the, a fantastic. The best, the best drill side in world rugby yeah. have been for ten years. They're hard to beat Melbourne. Yeah. Whenever I watch, they never ever get pumped by anyone. No. They always play well, and and that's a reflection on the disciplines that they've got in place. But it'd be the first time in ten years they've not had Cooper Cronk there, who's mm. arguably their best player and their scrum half, and a massive linchpin in this in the team, and and everything kind of revolves around him and Cameron Smith. So it'll be interesting to see how how they you know turn up without him in the side. Yeah, and obviously our, our your good friend Johnny Burster yeah. has been out there with the cricket. Um, he has indeed. He was part of the Ashes team that unfortunately went down to Australia. Uh, being a big Leeds Rhinos fan, he he was in Melbourne to attend the press release of of the World Club Challenge, and he had his his Leeds shirt on and did a bit of training with the lads. And I think he nailed a, a conversion from the halfway line as well, which was pretty impressive. That's awesome. Yeah. Did he really? Yeah, that's <laughs> class. Good well, lad. Hey, we'll ask him. Should we give him a call? We shall give him a call. We're delighted to be joined by Johnny Burstow, England uh, cricket legend. Thank you very much for for joining us, pal. 
No worries, no worries at all. Yeah, we're obviously a really busy time for you, mate. Talk us through uh, the Ashes, obviously, your experience down under and, and, and how that all went. Yeah, it was obviously a massive tour and didn't necessarily go to plan. It was a, a tough one that was pretty disappointing in the end, obviously, with the result um, in the Ashes being 4-0. Uh, to be quite honest, we just didn't win the, the critical battles and, and credit where credit's due. Australia had um, three guys that bowled... Uh, 140 kilometres an hour uh, consistently throughout and were, were very hostile at times. And, and look, when they went out to bat, there was Steve Smith, their captain, that went on to score uh, huge amounts of runs. And that was uh, the honest difference between the teams. With, with, the, with the ball coming at you at that speed, right? We, we, we take, you know, rugby, obviously, collision sport. We, we run at each other, you know, and that's sort of second nature to us. But the, the idea of a ball coming at me at that speed is uh, leaving a, a small stain in my underwear thinking about it. So um, how do you, you know, do you get used to that? Do you still get excited? Yeah, I think it's like anything. Uh, you're used to you're used to blokes uh, running directly at you, big lads, and then obviously small lads like Flash, so it's a bit different. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's something, it's something, yeah, it's second nature. It's something that you get used to. Your bodies are used to handling, uh, being hit by each other. I don't think I'll ever get used to being hit by the ball, but yeah, it's something that uh, you still you still get a bit nervous every now uh, every now and again. You still think that if uh, if you, if you do misjudge it, then it it hits you, then it is going to hurt. But that's part and parcel of playing sport, isn't it? That's the adrenaline that you get. That's the adrenaline that uh, when love. people stop and people retire. That's what. That's what people miss the most. Yeah, hundred percent. We get that massively in our game. Um, now you're a big Leeds Rhinos fan. Um, how have you how have you taken their starts the season, and then how do you think they'll go this week against Melbourne Storm? Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously uh, been all right. I was at the I was at the game uh, at Ellen Road uh, earlier. Uh, sorry, the end of last week, and yeah, it was a bit of a disappointing start to be, to be honest with you in the game, but. I, like like we all know the the class that Leeds have got and to turn to turn the game around and come away with a win having potentially not started as well as uh, as they will have wanted to in those conditions uh, at Ellen Road was uh, was really impressive and we know that they can grind that out. Um, I was fortunate to go to the Melbourne Storm training ground when I was over uh, over in Australia and, and to watch those guys train was was an amazing spectacle. The facilities are absolutely awesome. The way in which they go about it. Is uh, is a credit to uh, to them as a side, and and you can see why they are the number one side uh, over in Australia. It's a disciplined um, setup they've got, isn't it? It's, it's... Oh, it's amazing. They're, they're training uh, on a pitch right next to where the um, Aussie Rules side train, the gyms and everything that they've got over there. One of the S and Cs actually, I was on a university course with, so I, I caught up with him, and uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, it's not it's not good enough." They had six Olympic lifting platforms, uh, no, eight Olympic Olympic lifting platforms that are, we're just going to rip them out, we, we need some new ones, di- different ones, and to be quite honest with you, if they had them in England, it would be one of the best sporting gyms, well, especially in cricket, but I'm sure going around the country. Yeah, no, it's, it certainly sounds a lot better than when we used to train under the stand at Nosley Road. I think we had about six, <laughs> six second-hand dumbbells, uh, a little trampoline thing that never... And that was about it. Yeah, when you're away for such a long time, and we'll come back to the rugby and, and focus on Leeds and Melbourne in a second, when you're away for, for such a long time, do, do you get your family, do you get the creature comforts around you? Um, it must be difficult, that, you know, with all the travel that you do. 
Yeah, I mean, I left on the 28th of October and I, I got back uh, last week. So it's uh, it is pretty tough. We're very fortunate to do what we do and and to go some to some amazing countries and to see some amazing things. But um, like like you mentioned, every single night you're eating out because you're in a hotel room. Every single night you you trying to catch up with people back home because the time difference is 10, 11, uh, 11 hours at a time. Um, so yeah, it can get tough, especially when um, games are not going going too well. You might be going through a bit of a tough time with your game individually uh, or, or the team. So it's definitely tests you. Uh, but at the same time, as I say, it's a huge privilege to be able to to say you're playing for your country, to go out there and represent people on Boxing Day in front of 88,500 people. And I've actually been to a Boxing Day test at the MCG and it's it's probably the best atmosphere of any sporting occasion I've been to. It was It's unbelievable because sport's a bit of a religion in Melbourne and um, yeah, the cricket is, is like a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go and watch and it was brilliant. Um, I, I've actually seen these last couple of weeks footage of, of you in Melbourne uh, kicking a, a pretty special uh, goal. <laughs> Talk us through that, Johnny. That's a really chuffed laugh. That that was, you know, that was a laugh, a little giggle, a yeah. smug giggle. I did, it, and he nailed it. He nailed it. Yeah, it was. It was a little smug, <laughs> especially as I was wearing trainers, and it was my second attempt. Oh, good oh, laugh! Stop. <laughs> Lovely. First attempt, my, my trainer fell out straight out of the side. I was like, oh no, here we go. Going into training later on that afternoon, having rolled my ankle. But, <laughs> no, it, it was. Uh, I couldn't resist. It was something that I was like, right, well, I'm definitely get, definitely having a go. And, like, they, they were really good, actually, the Melbourne lads. Um, and Munster put a few uh, put a few uh, up and unders up, and uh, and the lads were all watching. So I got a little bit uh, bit nervous under a couple of them because they were bound to take the mick like all Aussies do if, uh, if they dropped one. And, uh, and, yeah, it was just great to be out, out just uh, seeing them in their own environments, to be honest with you. Like, like it would be seeing you guys train on a day-to-day basis, and then I'm sure that people that come and watch watch us train and see each individuals in different environments, um, it's kind of a an unwritten respect, if you wish, for people that are, are doing things in in other professions. So yeah, it was great to be out and, and fire a few balls around that I've not done since I was 18, and uh, and catch a few up and unders. Did Did you catch them? Yeah, I've got video evidence of that. Don't You've worry. got all right. We need to see. Yeah, we need to see that. I need need to see. Yeah, evidence. don't you worry. <laughs> and you used right, to play like quite that. a bit, didn't you? You were more 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 of a union player than than league, but you've you've got got a pretty pretty strong union background. Uh, I stopped when I was uh, I stopped when I was seventeen. Uh, yeah, I love my rugby. It was something that something that growing up I think taught me a a huge amount. The values, uh, the team spirit that it's played within. Um, and also the, the physical and mental toughness that comes with it, to be really honest with you. Knowing that if if someone gets trampled on or run over, then your mate's going to be there to uh, to tackle him next time. And 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 I think that that, that team spirit and camaraderie is is very unique and very rare when it comes to comes to sports. And you, but you can't do that on on a cricket field, unfortunately, can you? You can't just tackle <laughs> no. one of the opponents. It's, no, it's definitely um, you can't tackle or headbutt one of your opponents. That's uh, it's unique. Um, no, unfortunately not. Uh, it's uh, something that, um, especially keeping wicket, I'm not even able to to bowl fast. So it's uh, kind of resigned to the fact that you just get hit by the ball, and if you catch it wrong, it hurts your hands. Who's the best rugby player in the England setup then? Is there, is there anybody oh. who fancies himself? We used to play in warm-ups. 
yeah, we used to play in one that's like a bit of touch and stuff. So it's difficult to say who's the best because you're only playing it on like a little a little touch little touch side in warm-ups. Um, yeah, there was there was a few lads that, that weren't great at it, but they rude of me to, to name them shame, and I'm sure they, they won't be too happy about <laughs> right. it. Right, that's a very politically correct answer, that well done. Yeah, thank you very <laughs> Wait, What much. about the sledging? Right, I'm obsessed with, with I played cricket to, to you know when I was younger, and, and yeah. look, your position where you're stood there, there's a huge opportunity to exchange maybe verbals with people. Um Sledging in rugby happens. It happens, and it can be quite witty at times. You must hear some amazing stuff. Obviously, you're probably not allowed to repeat too much of it, but you must hear some brilliant stuff. Yeah, there is some of it, but it's mainly gone out of the game. To be really honest, right. because stunt microphones now—it's like refs wearing mics on them. So, stunt mics, obviously, standing right next to it, you—you you hear well. If you say anything, uh, then it all gets picked up. So, I'm sure everyone heard when I was away the the whole allegations that were going on. And that was everything that got picked up off the stump microphones. That wasn't anything other than a feed that gets sent back into uh, radio and commentary studios and people picking up from what they heard on that. So so now, with with all of that, sledging and, and swearing, you can even get fined now for, swe- for swearing next to the stump mic. <laughs> so it's not great when you drop a catch of Mr. Stumpin and you say <laughs> X, Y, and Z. Flipping heck. <laughs> yeah. Golly gosh. Uh, that's it. That's, that's more very English. We get some very English swear words. Well, that's exactly like you two when you're on a rugby pitch. Yeah, it? well, it's maybe not... But sport is getting like that now. You're scrutinised at all times. So we've, as you said, we've got the referees, mic, uh, camera and microphone. And... Um, you know, it's, it's so difficult now to to get away with anything. Sport is being sanitised, actually, at all levels, isn't it? Yeah, and I th- I think the the best part of sport is its rawness. It's it's seeing players' definitely. emotions come out. Yeah, but when you, when you you know you put too many stipulations and rules on that, it, it just becomes a bit vanilla at times. Yeah, definitely. At the end of the day, you've got you've got alpha males that are, that have uh, got to where they are in their sport because of their desire and willingness to go that extra extra bit. Uh, that willingness to win and that willingness to get past that next person in order to get into the team, whether that be in cricket, whether that be in rugby or or whatever it is. And the people that are successful within their fields are the people that have done that more often than not, that have had the, that have had the desire to put themselves into the most uncomfortable situations and come out the other end. And at the moment, we're, we're very fortunate to be doing what we're doing. But like you say, it is getting uh, to a stage where people are... Uh, in some in some cases, t- being taken away from the things that have got them to to where they are, and I'm not saying swearing every two minutes is is acceptable, but actually, when you when you're in the heat of the battle, when you're in um, when you're in the, in the moment, those things do happen, like like it is in any sport. Frustration happens, uh, disappointment happens, and, and when you don't get it quite right because of all the hard work that that you put in, I think that. Uh, sometimes <laughs> there needs to be a bit of late leeway. Yeah, without without I think people enjoy seeing emotion both ways, don't they? Somebody really, you know, elated with something that's gone well, or people desperately disappointed, and the emotion that comes out at both ends of that scale is, I think, it's important for sport, and it's a sad day. It humanises it, doesn't it? Yeah, and when you see, obviously, you hear that about the the stunt mic, and it alters behaviour that. It, 
and again in rugby, the the ref cam alters how you maybe approach the referee. Good mate of mine, James Graham, um, who's crazy, his scouts. Fellow right? ginge. Fellow ginge, like yourself. He yeah. he approaches the referees now with his hands behind his back, um, and he's it, sort of like an oasis sort of stance. Um, like a footballer, as though he's not going to hit he's the referee. He's the most referee. petulant person in the world, isn't he? I know. He to this day maintains he didn't bite Billy Slater's ear in the grand final, but he, did, he definitely did, didn't he? He did. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, did you see that, Johnny? No, I didn't see it, no. No, he did. He definitely did. <laughs> no, mate, what's the predictions then this week? We've got Leeds, Leeds Melbourne, a, you know, a, a huge, huge game for Leeds. We were talking earlier a bit before about the, um, maybe the, the, the World Cup Challenge not being as important to, to, to the Australian crowd, but but it's a huge, huge night for Leeds Rhinos. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, um, the, the World Cup challenges that they've had before have all been in England, and they've won three of them in England. Now, going over to Australia, it's a completely different kettle of fish. When they turn up to the ground, it's not going to be all nicey-nicey, uh, headingly that they used to and, and everything like that. They'll, they'll, they'll cop a bit. When they're warming up, they'll cop a bit. I'm not saying that they haven't copped it when when they've been over to Salford, Wigan, St. Helens before. But it's a it is a different kettle of fish and the nerves will be the nerves will be there. They still might be a bit sore from this last week that's gone with the flight and everything like that. But look, it's it's a, it's gonna be a tough challenge, isn't it? The storm have obviously lost uh, Cooper Cronk, which is uh is is interesting, so we'll see how they see how they go without him. But with the other guys that they've got uh in that side it is a it's an absolutely class outfit, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and I, I can't wait. And I think the, the the prize at the end of it to beat an Australian team of Melbourne Storm's calibre in their own backyard is a massive carrot for, for Leeds. And um, should they do it, I think you know it'll be one of the biggest wins in in club rugby history over here. Absolutely, it's it's going to be a huge scalp, an absolutely massive scalp, and that's exactly what what they're going over there to do. And if they don't believe that they can can do it, then there's no point in turning up. And I firmly believe that with the belief that they've got within the team um, and and the big games that the guys have played in previously, um, there's no reason why why they can't. But as as you say, it is going to be it's going to be one heck of a challenge. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us and taking time out of your international uh, travel uh, to uh, to speak with us on uh, Whippets and Flat Caps, mate. I r- really appreciate your time. Thank you. No worries, lads. Thanks ever so much. Cheers, Johnny. Catch you soon, pal. Cheers, lads. See you, mate. You did say catch you soon to Johnny Burst, though, then. I mean, you know, will you... How close is your, your friendship with um, Well, he's been in the coffee shop a few times to see me. Uh, not to be there for the, <laughs> emphasizing me as in me, that I'm not, not an attractive and not the um, part of the business. Watering in coffee and food that we sell in Pot Kettle Black Bar in Arcade Manchester. Um, yeah, you come see me because we're good friends. Lovely friend, all oh, cricket oh, friends. Oh, great friends. You've got quite a few celebrity friends, Mark. I'm um, yeah, bit of a celeb myself. Yeah. Uh, pretty big deal. Let's talk through your top three celeb celebrity contacts. Um, Andy from Emmerdale, or is it Corrin? Cor- Andy from Brook- Brookside. Sugden, Andy yeah. Sugden. Andy Sugden. Johnny Bairstow. Yeah, is he in the top, the top three? Probably top three, yeah. Um, yeah, Chris Eubank. Chris Eubank. Chris Eubank senior. Amazing shout. Didn't like our coffee. Didn't Hated like our, our coffee. coffee. Slammed Didn't like it. my try celebrations either, but no. that's, that's What did Chris. he tell you to do? He said you to, to run towards the corner camera, stand with your hands on your hips and nod 
into no, no, the no, no. Just stare into the camera and lift one eyebrow up and by the people's you, eyebrow for make 10 you, seconds. It'll make you famous, he said. It'll make me famous. People either love me or hate me. I'll be like Marmite. But yeah. I don't well, score, so I don't yeah. get the opportunity. Interesting chatting with Johnny Burst, though, there. Look, uh, you know, he can't help but feel technology is sanitising the game somewhat. And disappointing, not disappointing, but, you know, you really... I I love hearing things come through on the mic from cricketers and on the rugby field itself. There's there's quite a lot of, of, yeah, well, of slanging going. You're pretty good at that. You, you get well, a kick out. I've, of I've heard of, I've heard a few crackers. We at St Helens we had a back row called Peter Shields, and he played at Newcastle with Matty Johns, who was who was playing at Wigan. Uh, we're in a scrum, and Peter Shields pops his head out the scrum. Andy Farrell's a big player for Wigan. You know, huge captain, big big um, personality. Uh, obviously Andy Farrell knew that Matty Johns and Peter Shields had a relationship, knew each other, played with each other for sort of five or six years. Uh, Shields, he popped his head out of the scrum and said, uh, hey, Matty, you're right. Andy Farrell is a tit. <laughs> <laughs> when you just saw that little seed of that, Andy Farrell's head came out of the scrum. He's looking over at Matty Johns. He's thinking, obviously, that <laughs> it's been bad-mouthing him behind his back and it just completely fabricated by... Uh, by, by by Peter Shields, yeah. I've um, I had one player who I've played against, and sledging. I think you can either do it to motivate yourself, or you can do it to rile somebody up. And when I've done it, and I think I've considered myself what I'd say like an, an irritant of a player at times, pest, yeah. a pest yeah. um, was Stuart Fielding. So Stuart Fielding was like uber aggressive, like alpha male. You know, would just wanted to kill everybody, just racing around, all emotion, and you know just. I thought I spotted an opportunity to leverage that and, and, and maybe get the worst out of Stuart Fielding. And I remember we had a front row called, well, James Graham, obviously. He was just a, a legend, but he was 18 at the time. We were packed down in a scrum. And uh, I've got his head through at the second row, and I can see Stuart Fielding. He's just growling. He's you know he's got blood coming out of his mouth. He's, he's carrying on, you know, like standing up in the scrum, trying to push everyone around. And uh, James Graham, uh, just before this, put a big big shot on him and stopped him dead. And so we're in the scrum. I put my head through and I can see Stuart Field and carrying on as he does. And I was like, Stu, Stu, what's your date of birth? And he sort of just stopped him dead and he looked at me. And he, he, he just it wasn't taking me on at all. He goes, Stu, what's your date of birth? And he, wouldn't, he wouldn't tell me. And I said to James Graham, I was like, Jammer, Jammer, what's your date of birth? And I was like, Stu, it's just unbelievable that you're 31 and an 18-year-old has just absolutely <laughs> dominated you. And next time, next thing, he came at me. He came at me out of a cannon. He was trying to kill me, and it, it actually ended up spilling the ball. And I kicked it forward, and we scored. It was probably one of the only times it's worked. One of the times it didn't work out for me was I picked the wrong guy, Terry Newton. Yeah, don't, I wouldn't. So I, 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 I chased Terry Newton and and give him a wise. Just a, I can't even think what. I said I just said something uh, and it was Good Friday 2004 and yeah. I before I'd even just finished this sort of witty just little one line was as I was, no probably not it was probably rubbish but he he turned around and he must have landed at what I'd say 15 punches um, he was he was well known for being a handy fellow wasn't yeah he? yeah well he just destroyed us I think I got stretched off sort of two or three times off the back of Terry, Terry Newton uh, based incidents and that one he, he must have he battered, battered me. I had my hands. Stephen Wilde, the shit house, held my hands behind my back, and Terry Newton was just sort of letting rip on my head. It's the big brawl. It's actually probably one of the most iconic. Sort yeah, it was of rugby with Paul balls. Sculthorpe and Andy yeah, Farrell. Andy Farrell and, uh, yeah, Scullfrey. I remember that. Yeah. Screaming shit house at, at, at Paul Sculthorpe for joining in, but 
that was probably a day where, where sledging went wrong. Now, I don't think Johnny Burstow is going to get to that level. We're not going to see a brawl like that in cricket, although it'd be good, wouldn't it? It would be good. Be a lot of claret on those lovely whites they were, wouldn't it? Yeah. Be <laughs> terror to get out of the wash. Yeah. yeah. No, it's um, the game is being sanitised. You don't see a lot of, of ill-discipline. You know, do you remember State of Origin? One thing I used to love about State of Origin was the fights. Yeah, well, it sets a bad example, they say, don't they, to kids. But then yeah, it's... It? It, yeah, apparently, yeah. Well, fights happen, don't they? Conflict's a part of life, isn't it? I, 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 I think dealing with conflict and showing people conflict are okay. There's ways of Sh- dealing project- with conflict. Yeah, but... Actions project- or, but, but, or words. Well, we, it's, it's, it's ironic that we say that, yet we go to war on different fronts and kill people with bombs. Like, that's 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 conflict, isn't it? Mm. So minor conflicts are okay. I think you should... You should embrace it. In fact, rugby is played by gentlemen. You you fight and then you you get on with life. You speak about it. It's probably gone a bit too too far for me. But on that topic, really, actually, it's probably you know well timed that we talk about concussion. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, not only that, just injuries in in sport, but but there's you know some great strides being made in 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 rugby league, and and in fact, I'd say all contact sports to discuss and digest all of the information that's out there regarding concussive injuries well I think having you know played I've had sport at the, the top level for a number of years I think the, the findings and the and the case studies are finally coming out as to why players are struggling to, in later life having had a lot of head injuries it's probably a bit of an unknown in the past lads getting concussed they just carry on and, and there wasn't much of a, a protection from, from the governing bodies and, and the doctors and physios but uh, now we're seeing it, it, cases happen more and more often. Ian Roberts, the Australian international, came out this last week um, saying that he's 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 got um, difficulty thinking. It's he was defined as as, as minor brain injuries. Yeah, it's scarring on his brain that was it, from, yeah. from repetitive sort of concussive injuries from as a result of rugby. Now that's have you ever been concussed? I've been concussed a couple of times properly, where I've been out cold, uh, probably only twice, but I reckon two or three times a season I'll. I'll have a little ding on the head and I'll be dazed for a few minutes and more often than not I get I get blurred vision whereas I'll, my memory will be fine I'll know where I am I'll know what's happening but I get really bad blurred vision and um, it can hinder my performance I, f- I feel a bit um, susceptible to, to other players running at me I feel uh, I feel like I can't play to my best so it's, it's, it's sometimes a tough decision whether to stay on the field or, or, or come off um, but the, the medical staff are, are really good I think these days um, the duty of care towards players is is improving year on year. Yeah, well, because going back when I started playing, look, I I would have got concussed what was maybe ten times in my career, but badly with mem- with memory loss. Mm. Um, and and you know it, it, this sort of stuff scares me actually because um, you just don't know what's around the corner and and you don't know what damage you've done. And uh, when you break an arm, you can see, you can see it. You can you know you've got a scar that you can see, but the idea that these sort of traumatic injuries to my mind, my mind, not my body, is my mind. Yeah. That that is, it, it scares me to death. Actually, yeah. there's one thing that 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 I regret doing to my body through a career in rugby league. It's the the trauma to my my brain. But you still do that this season. Knowing I know knowing as you as, yeah, as yeah. I do, I know that physios. Have a battle taking you off the field if you've had a head injury because you mm. feel fine and you're stubborn. Yeah, so and so aren't you? Yeah, well, look, going back, you never used to get taken off, did you? I remember Daniel Anderson. Uh, I got knocked out twice in it was probably it was consecutive weeks, 
I got knocked out in one game and then I got knocked out again against Leeds. And obviously there's a lot of research now that the second one is likely and blah, blah, blah. But uh, Daniel Anderson referred to me over this two-week period as the lost dog because <laughs> he said we were doing video and he, I just kept appearing on the video in the wrong spot. There was even yeah. a point where we were attacking and I just ran across the back of everybody. Like He was saying, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I actually cannot recall even being on the field. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the game. I, I got knocked out at Wigan. I thought I'd missed my A-level exams. And bear in mind, I was 26. And and I woke up saying, I've got, I've got my A-levels. Like, I've got I'm, maths. Yeah, no, it was my chemistry A level exam. I'm going to miss my chemistry A level exam. Now that that is, it's scary, scary to that, yeah. think where you, you know, what you're doing to to your brain really. And I remember I I got a bad one, a pretty bad one at Saints, and then the next week at training, I, f- I felt fine. And Nathan Brown actually pulled me. He said at training, he said, "Mate, you go and sit down. I'm not playing you this week. I can. T- I've been watching you, and I can tell you're not fine." And I, I, looking, at the, I was pissed off at him at the time. I thought I'm, I wanted to play, and I felt good to play, but. He observed my how I was at training and and my general actions around the place, and he he, he took me out of the game. It might have been a nice way of him dropping me. Yeah, it uh, sounds a lot. Like it sounds, that. A, bit, it sounds yeah. a bit like that. But it's it's it's. I think it's becoming more and more uh, apparent that coaches do have a duty of care towards the players. But you know, five, even five or ten years ago, that it's a results based industry. So. There, there's a, there is a pressure to play on, isn't there? There is a bit, yeah. Yeah, whether whether it's conscious or just a subconscious feeling that you... In rugby, you, you play hurt a lot of the time yeah. and, and with with injuries, the, the, there's... For example, when you break your nose badly, it was, we've both done in our I've careers. I've never done that. Never. Well, there you go. It's a beauty. You've got it's a big, beautiful big fat nose you have. Yeah, yeah but, but you can see that and you can fix it and go back on with with a, with a head injury. It, it's not visible, is it? Like no. Ian Roberts having scarring on, on his brain. I think the Super League can do and the, the the RFL can do more to help players because when when you do get a, an injury or, or a head knock, you want to stay on the field because you know that if you go off, you're, you're a man down, you're on, only on three subs. And teams these days have a, a pretty strict interchange routine where... Lads will play a certain amount of minutes before they replace. Now, if if you come off injured, that affects everything, and you're down, you're down a player. So, I, I think there should be some kind of extra sub in case of a, a head knock injury that you can kind of bring into the game because your your team is disadvantaged by mm. you coming off. And you know, when you go off for the people listening who, who don't know, you you do a, a concussion test. You know, so the doctor will assess you. You know, he's got physical evidence, so how you behave on the field did you stagger uh, it's called tonic posturing where you're I think your arms um, it almost looks like people are reaching to grab something yeah. when they're knocked out badly yeah. um, so there's physical symptoms uh, yeah. but then the doctor takes you in inside and you do uh, a test you have to recall it's words memory that, test, words yeah. and letters and, and numbers that, that he recites in, in a random fashion now you can go on Google and get this document, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's out there with all the words on it. And actually, you can... Uh, I think it's glass, paper, sand, something, something, something. Yeah. But there's probably a smart way around the system, isn't there? Yeah, and um, you have to repeat the, the months of the year backwards. Yeah, and I think, look, our, I think our some doctor, lads struggle to do that. Doctor, our doctor good. at St. Helens is one of the pioneers of this. Yeah. And he's um, exceptional. He pulls lads all the time when they've got head injuries. Uh, for it to be successful, every club should be doing it. Yeah. I don't think every club does it. No. I think head injuries go unreported at other clubs more than they do. Yeah. We are squeaky clean with ours every Yeah, we time. are as well, actually. Yeah, And I think, it, just going back to the pressure on players, I think there should be more help from the RFL because 
quite often in matches, half-backs are targeted and they can be taken out late off the ball by an opposition player. Now, if that player is taken out of the game and there's no adequate replacement of a player in that position, your team is massively disadvantaged if that player can't continue. So there's there's and and quite often the 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 player that's that's committed the crime doesn't just gets put on report and carries on mm-hmm. playing the rest of the game. So I think there should be you know contingencies made so that you know the lads lads don't feel as pressured to carry on if if they're not right. And I think more and more will come out of this. Um, you know, as time goes on, I think we're still really coming to grips or getting to grips with with the, the human brain and how it behaves and and what damage you can do from from uh, trauma to it. Um, I think an example of it that really scared me was the, did you see the James Cracknell uh, documentary I met him at Sports Personality yeah, yeah. when he got when he got hit by the wing mirror of a truck yeah. on the back of his head didn't he split his helmet yeah. horrendous concussion he was in a coma induced coma yeah. to let his brain heal yeah. and when he came round he was actually a different person well when I met him he seemed quite I was sad to say he seemed quite vacant he, he seemed disoriented when I was speaking to him and this mm-hmm. was Two or three years after the after the uh, accident, mm. and uh, his his wife, um, she said that she had massive problems kind of relating to him because he just he seemed a different person when he came round, didn't he? Yeah, I think I think the worst concussion I had I think was Hulk KR at home. We just started playing at Langtree Park, yeah. and it was like late in the game. I got I got knocked out, and and I had a really uneasy feeling. I couldn't I can't explain it. Couldn't explain the feeling. It's impossible. Like it's not. It wasn't a human emotion, but I felt uneasy for a long time after that, and not 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 in a physical sense. It was it was there was just a, a sense of almost like fear and dread in, in my mind that I couldn't. And it was it was guaranteed down to the the, the head injury and, I had. And they say some reports and there's some evidence that um, concussion and bad brain injuries can lead to things like depression. Yeah, and that's yeah. been a big issue in the game with with state of mind and, and making sure lads don't 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 suffer the, the, the depression and, and all that comes with that. Uh, but there's a lot of evidence to say that you know concussion and, and brain injuries can lead to stuff like that. So if we are taking state of mind as seriously as, as we are, I think you know its relationship to concussion and brain injury should be taken into account as well. Yeah, without doubt. And I think, like I said, the game is really at the forefront of 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 everything that's good about looking into concussive injuries. I think our doctors and the medical people, uh, you know, within the game of rugby league do an exceptional job. Um, Simon Perry, our doctors, are leading light on concussion and, and, and its treatment and the protocols to get people off the field. He dictates that down to other clubs. So, you know, I feel in a privileged position to, to have sort of him looking out for us. But it's something for, for later life because the other injuries you know we get you know in the knees we, we, you know countless operations I've had 16 surgeries oh you're in, the in, best in, yeah. you're so tough John oh no well yeah I am yeah. tougher than you I've only had about six yeah no but we, you do you put your body through the ringer actually yeah. uh and it, it'll be interesting to see you, you always know a rugby league guy or rugby union guy one, wonky nose gnarled hands and a bit of a limp uh, but they're about tattoo. 50 oh no about, that's, rugby. This... that's purely rugby league lads oh, okay. a sleeve tattoo and uh, yeah very very short shaved hair on the sides before we go uh, what is going in Mark Flanagan's rugby league sin bin this week he put Alex Wormsley in there last week uh, for how difficult he is to tackle I put sleeve tattoos uh, in there firmly in the 
in the bin for me. Mark Flanagan, if you can get rid of one thing. Uh, Justin Carney this week, another player I don't like tackling. You can't just have players who you don't like tackling every week. Well, they just they hurt some of them, and he's quite stocky and small, and he's like a little bowling ball. So, yeah, he's too stocky and too strong to tackle. Well, I can tackle him, but just just a bit of a handful. Mm. You know what I'm going to put in? Like, rugby league is shocking for really rank promotional social media posts uh, involving several things. One thing is somebody's thanking somebody for the feed somewhere. They've had a, f- a meal somewhere. Or, or they've, they get, they've had the hair they get a protein cut. shake that costs 50p they've and then the, they do a shout-out yeah, to 10,000 Yeah, thanks, thanks to so-and-so for sorting me out with the fade, yeah. uh, the haircut. Then thank you to so-and-so for yeah the protein shaker. Thank you. You know, it's just a, a never-ending tirade of nonsense. I, I hate I, I it. I understand it if it's if it's a it's no, a value it's, it's a value product. Yeah, if it's if it's actually worth something, but just don't cheap, devalue yourself cheapens by it, just please. giving yeah. someone a shout out for fifty p yeah. protein shake. No, and it, it's just a bit needy. It's all like me, all like pathetic, pathetic. Yeah. And it, it, everybody's doing it. Every club has got three or four lads who just nail it, don't they? Yeah. And all they're doing is going out there and getting Kyle Amos big. At your oh, he's terrible. Like he's yeah. private messaging every business in about a fifty mile radius. Yeah. Uh, being all witty and charming, just trying to get free. But leverage. he's not witty and charming. That's yeah, I know, the thing, but you can it? be via social media. Now that's coming from me. <laughs> that is coming. That is a statement. For in Mark Fanning and called Kyle Emil, not witty and charmless. Yeah, no, the I'd charmless say he's actually man. Wittier than you. I, no, he's I, not. I don't, I don't mean that. No, no, he's not. I mean that. He, um, but yeah, so Kyle would approach businesses and just ask for their services or products in exchange for a loose connection with him. So if there are any businesses out there looking for, do that for a connection ch- with a Cumbrian rugby player with no GCSEs it was or his formal qualification, birthday party, and they did it for a, a bouncy castle and got like a tenner off or something and give them a free shout out. Yeah, true it's, story. Yeah, true story. There's, yeah, there's we're lots. rolling with that. Yeah, so it's aimless promotional social media posts by rugby league players. Is my and mine's Justin Carney. Justin Carney, because it's hard to tackle. And that's I think it. I'm just going to pick players because I'm not very imaginative. I'm just going to pick players that I don't like tackling. Boring Mark Flanagan to be consistent. He strikes again. Now this is whippets and flat caps. Please uh, download and subscribe on Podbean and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, which is at Whippets RL. Um, just for for some updates, I think we might even try and upload the 2004. Uh, good Friday fight, uh, just for anybody who wants to have a look. Uh, but that, that's, that's that's about it from us tonight. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Thank you. <laughs>